Today is day five of sheltering in the Psalms, and today we get to consider Psalms 21 through 25. And tonight I have two special guests with me tonight. I have Titus and Adelie. Say hey, Titus. Hey, Titus. Say hey, Adelie. <laughs> okay, so Psalm 21, right off the bat, Psalm 21 emphasizes the king. And in Psalm 21, we see the rejoicing of the king in the strength and the salvation of God. Now remember what we saw in chapter 20 and verse 9. O Lord, save the king, may he answer us when we call. So God saved the king is what we saw in 20 verse 9. That leads directly and looks ahead to what we are anticipating in Psalm 21. And in Psalm 21, specifically verse 8 through 12, there's addressing a king directly and looks ahead to a future salvation. Notice specifically verse 9. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. So the king in mind in Psalm 21 is the king promised to come from David, the Messiah, or the anointed one. Now that's important. Today is, of course, Palm Sunday. And as we consider these psalms, it's perfect for us to consider these psalms because these psalms are going to lead us uh, into the crucifixion, into the uh, tomb, and from the tomb. So let's continue on. Psalm 22, of course, is recognized right away because it's Jesus' cry from the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So when Jesus said the first words of Psalm 22, he did so metaleptically. And that what that means is he's quoting one line, but assuming the whole context. Like when we say better late, and the first thing that went through your mind probably there was then never. Notice uh, though, this Psalm is a lament. That even though this Psalm is a lament, why have you forsaken me? Notice the way that Psalm 22 ends. Psalm 22 ends with absolute hope. Look at what it says. Posterity, uh, verse 24. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but he has heard when he cried to him. Now, so it ends, it begins in lament, but it ends in hope. That's the pattern that we're seeing for a lot of these Psalms, exactly what they do. But I want to point out something else in Psalm 22. David is the author of the Psalm, but David doesn't begin speaking. And we learn that David is the author because it says a Psalm of David. But David is the author of the Psalm, but he doesn't begin to speak until verse 23. It says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And then here's what David, the speaker, says. You who, he says this to the congregation. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offsprings of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. So he speaks about the afflicted one to the congregation. David speaks about the afflicted one's conquest of death. That's what he said. Look at verse 24. What's he speaking to the congregation? He's speaking a message, and the message that he's speaking is the afflicted one's conquest of death. For he has not despised or abhorred the, afflic 
affliction of the afflicted. And look at this. He has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. So let me just say this, and I'll just say this in a passing note, just for you to remember. The Father did not turn his face away from the Son at the cross. And how do you know that? Because verse 24, he has not hidden his face from him. Now, the images from Psalm 22, the images of crucifixion, cannot be missed. Look at what it says here, for example. I am poured out many, or verse 12, many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a raving and roaring lion. Verse 14, I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. Uh, you lay me in the dust of death. And then listen to verse 16. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments amongst them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. And then here's the hope again, verse 19. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. And so the images of crucifixion, they're too close to be dismissed. Of course, this psalm is proclaiming, this is important, this psalm is proclaiming a crucified Christ. So let's go on to the next psalm. It's the psalm that you are all familiar with, all of us are familiar with. It's the funeral dirge, or the one that we often hear read or played or sang at people's funeral. And rightly so, because Psalm 23, and remember this, from Psalm 22, we have the crucifixion. Psalm 23, we have the grave. Psalm 23, the reason we always sing this psalm or say this psalm at funerals is because God is present in the faith excuse me, God is present in the face of death. The psalm looks ahead and hopes in the return of God's anointed to the temple in Jerusalem. Look at verse 6 or verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, from the cross to the tomb, now let's see what happens in chapter 24. In chapter 24, the return of the king is celebrated. But notice, who is it that's going to celebrate his return? It's spelled out for us in verse 3. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Who's going to celebrate the return of the king? He who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. The pure in heart and the blessed of the Lord are the ones who are going to celebrate the return of the king, even though in verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, still those that are going to celebrate him are those who are pure in heart and blessed of the Lord. And this psalm explicitly sees the king as the Lord himself. Don't miss that. It explicitly sees the king as the Lord himself. Look at verse 7. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Now here's the question. 
Who is this King of glory? Who is he? The Lord strong and mighty. Kids, say the Lord strong and mighty. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. So who is this King of glory? Say it one more time. The Lord God Almighty. Lift up your heads, O gates. Let them lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And then we ask this question again. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. So from 22 to the cross, 23 to the grave, 24 the resurrection, the Easter story in the Psalms. Now, 25. Psalm 25 longs for redemption. Psalm 25 is longing for the Redeemer. And this is only fitting. After encountering the King in 24, chapter 25 is the only responsible or appropriate response. Look at what it says. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O God, my God, in you I trust. And then listen to this. None who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. And then here's the proper response. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy. Verse 7, remember not the sins of my youth. And so this is the proper response after encountering the return of the king.